2: journey. And it is going to be a journey. Boy, do I promise you that. But do you want that journey to be a little less painful? Well, go to kristincarney.com slash help, and I can help make that possible. I can help power up your dating profile. I can help fine tune your banter skills, which will take you to the next level and get you the girl that you want. So go to kristincarney.com slash help. That's kristincarney.com slash help.
1: Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, I'm going to apologize in advance before you listen to this episode because my headset was not correctly connected to my computer and therefore you can hear several dings for when I get emails, which is annoying. But do not let that deter you from listening to this episode because it is an unbelievable one where we have Dr. John on our show who is talking to us about male socialization, masculinity, pursuing happiness, just all the things that you need to know about how to be a man in 2019, how to express emotions, how to be vulnerable, how to share without being labeled as a wimp, soft, other negative words that I don't want to say in this promo, but keep listening because it's a really good episode. (music)
2: Welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. You're back, you're here, you're learning and growing and also being entertained cuz that's what Marnie and I do. I'm your host Kristen Carney along with Marnie Kinris and today we have a high performance coach on who teaches happiness and overall great stuff. I don't really know. Dr. John, thanks for hanging out with us. Dr. John.
0: Well, hey Marnie, hey Kristen, thanks for having me. Hey. You know, it's let's see, where do I begin? So I started off doing anger management work several years ago. um, And that led to working with men in particular. And that led to working with businessmen. And I realized that a lot of the businessmen... that I'm sorry. I need
2: need to cut you off there. That's really funny. Anger management led to working with businessmen. Is it because businessmen are generally angry? Um, It's...
0: Because it's hilarious if it it is. is. Well, the problem was that I was working with so when I was working with anger, I was working with teenagers and adult males. Oh, okay. And okay. working with angry teenagers is a little bit draining because they often would come in and they'd be like, I don't want to be here. I'm not going to listen to anything he has to say. And I'm only coming once.
2: Working with happy and teenagers so is even draining.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you if you find them, that's then you're lucky. But right. um, <laughs> it, it was draining. So I, I started shifting more to businessmen and coaching businessmen and i realized that you know one of the few emotions that men can safely demonstrate is anger there's probably anger lust and stress those are what we can cop to without fear of being humiliated or embarrassed so i went from there to realizing that a lot of the businessmen the executives that i was coaching were very successful at work highly successful i mean some of these guys were worth you know 10 million 50 million 200 400 million dollars but they were miserable at home. You know, their, their wife was nitpicking at them. They didn't feel like they knew what they were doing. They weren't valued. They weren't appreciated. Often they'd have teenagers that would, you know, mock them behind their backs. And so I realized that we needed some help in terms of relationship skills. So I started teaching relationship skills to these men to improve their, their relationship and really balance out the happiness and success at both at work and at home. And that led to some more recent work in masculinity and just looking at how we're socialized as men. And what are some of the lessons that we get growing up, which influence pretty much everything that we see and do as adults?
1: So yes, tell us all about the socialization of men because um, I I think it's fascinating. What are What are some of the common things that you've been seeing and you've been realizing are impacting men?
0: Well, some of the research out there shows that men's use of emotion and emotional language starts to be shut down by the age of five. By the age of kindergarten, little boys are already stopping the use of some emotional language because some of our peers, our our five-year-old friends will say things like, oh, stop being such a girl. And so we learn early on that to demonstrate, to share some of what we're feeling is dangerous or we can be mocked for it or we can be put down for it. Then by the age of 12 or 13, oftentimes when you're 12, 13, 14, and you talk to someone that age, we're willing to say, okay, yeah, I've got this best friend. Like, I love this guy. Like, I don't know how I would get by without him. And then you get to that first year in high school, your freshman year in high school, and that typically goes away. And we're focused on two things once we get to high school as young men, and that's don't be seen as gay and don't be seen as female. Right. And those become the driving motivators for a lot of what we do. And, and I, like, I'll like, i have new clients come in and I'll tell them, look, I can effectively eliminate two thirds of the emotional spectrum for you with two phrases. When you're growing up, if you think back, if you show too much fear or sadness, someone's likely to say, stop being a pussy or some variation of that. All right. If you show too much excitement, joy, love, romanticism, someone is Yay. likely to say... Stop being so gay, stop being a pussy, stop being a bitch. Yeah. And you know what happens is we learn really quickly, if you're smart and somewhat sensitive, you learn real fast, holy shit, I'm not showing that anymore. I don't like how it feels when people put me down like that. And so the, the way that this re- plays out is that we are effectively cut off from two-thirds of the emotional spectrum and we're left with some degree of anger, stress, or lust and we're effectively cut off from building better relationship skills, and we're effectively cut off from being better in relationship and kind of fully expressing our humanity. And because we're we're because cut you're
1: off- cutting off a portion of your personality and who you are, and you're right. constantly limiting yourself. That's that's very challenging.
0: And it's funny because I, I you know I deal with divorced couples at times, and the primary complaint from a lot of the wives are I can't connect with my husband. That he's not sympathetic, he's not empathetic, he doesn't communicate very well, and he's not emotionally aware, and I'm not happy in this relationship. And so all this stuff that we're socialized as when we're a kid tends to play out much later in these relationships. I mean, the, the lessons that we internalize are be invulnerable, be self-reliant, don't rely on others, be dominant over women. Be aggressive. Always know everything. Don't show your emotions. And then we get to be an adult and it has these really negative ramifications for our relationships.
1: Interesting. I'm just trying to... It's so funny because I have I have two little boys. And I know that that, that is not on my radar right now. They're five and younger. Um, and if anything, I'm trying to help them express themselves more but i i do see as as they would start to age that not that i wouldn't want them to be a certain way but i i i can understand how this shift shift happens uh even with parents who are really socially aware so for people who aren't aware of this it can have like huge ramifications on that person later in life so then so now so what you're doing is is you're helping men evolve. So past this age of teenagers where they're sort of silenced and told to shove all their feelings in the corner and then deal with it on their own, how do you help men evolve into this modern man that can that can do all of these things without being shamed?
0: Well, the first step is awareness. So the, then the second step, I think, is teaching emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, communication skills, Normalizing, I mean, a big part of it is just normalizing how they feel. And, you know, part of that is me sharing how I feel at times to model for them that, look, it's okay. You can be a masculine man and still feel things deeply, that actually it's better for you, it's better for your relationships. I mean, I, there's an executive that I'm working with now that is trying to run a billion dollar company. And He's pretty young, and, and so he feels he has a lot to prove, and he wants people to see him as intelligent and capable and you know a lot of the, the people that report to him are probably fifteen, 20 years older than him, and this creates a dynamic where he's often irritable and impatient, and the the VPs under him tend to get resentful of this, and I'm, I'm trying to get him to get past merely demonstrating irritability and anger with the people around him so that it creates more safety for people around him to come up with new ideas, be innovative, be creative. And part of that is just learning to be comfortable with emotions other than irritability, frustration, anger, impatience, and stress.
2: You know, I think I need to work with you because even though I'm not a dude, (laughs) like today I was at Walmart, which is not, uh, you know, somewhere I like to frequent, but I got so angry just by being there. And I don't know how unhealthy or how unnatural that is. Like, Is that strange that I feel anger over something (laughs) so simple? Am I not feminine enough or something?
0: I don't think it's strange or unusual at all.
2: I've told off about
1: 4 people in the past week and they all happen to be parking attendants. I think it's just like <laughs> it's just built up frustration and anger overall, but I, I think what I hear you're saying is that for men there there is this who and it it happens for women as well. It's like how do I do yeah. x y and z without being seen as a bitch or controlling or an ag and then there's all these limitations put onto us. But we're talking about men for right now. So for the men who are listening, how, how did you advise this CEO to behave in a way that he can still be respected, but also be, be vulnerable and attractive at the same time? So like most of the guys who listen to this show are trying to figure out how to be this kind of guy, this kind of guy who's comfortable in his own skin, but who isn't, who isn't a wimp and who doesn't get pushed over by people. So what, what were your instructions to this guy on how to pull that off correctly?
0: Well, it's, it's been a long process, but I think part of it is a ide- accurately identifying how you feel in the moment and understanding that when you're getting angry, when you're getting irritated or frustrated, you know, often we think of anger as a secondary emotion, which means that it comes quickly on the heels of a primary emotion. So, for instance, um, maybe I feel embarrassed, and then a third of a second later, I feel anger because I don't like to feel embarrassed, or maybe I feel sad. And it's not safe for me to express sadness. So it comes out as irritability. Or maybe I'm anxious about something and I, want, I don't want other people to know that. And it's safer for it to come out as frustration. I, I mean, let me give you an example. So um, my, my girlfriend went to Europe recently and she went, well, let me go back up a step. So we were at a conference in New York City on how to get greater media exposure. And she went and bought the upsell to, go to I can't believe I'm sharing this to go to a dinner but it was also a year-long coaching program and I was upset that she went to the dinner without me because I was kind of it was our first night in New York it was the only night we had to spend together and I was kind of left in the bar by myself to fend on my own for dinner and and she asked me if she could do this and I said yeah sure rationally I'm like yeah sure like go go grow go evolve like if you feel that's best go do it I want to support her in that emotionally, it was a, a different story. Emotionally, I was hurt that she would leave me in New York on the one night that we had to spend together. Now, right. both those make sense to me. But afterwards, I got angry that she had left me, quote unquote, there. And I had to work on that and figure out, okay, so why am I pissed about this? And after looking at it for some time, I realized that it wasn't so much about anger. I mean, I suppose that was part of it. It was more about... I'm afraid that if you continue to grow and evolve, you're going to find someone else, that you're going to evolve out of this relationship. And so I I had to really struggle to come to grips with that and be able to verbalize it, which I don't really want to do because it's potentially embarrassing and it puts me in a really vulnerable position.
1: Okay. And so...
0: Does that make sense? It
1: does. Well, so, so on the flip side of that, how did you learn... That you can relay this information in a way to your girlfriend that doesn't have you. Cause I know that's the big sorry, I'm gonna take a step back. The biggest fear for so many guys is if I express X, Y, and Z, won't they think I'm needy and clingy and creepy? So I you know, those are those same fears that were going through your head, even though you're deep into a relationship, because you still want to appear as the masculine attractive person to mm-hmm. this got everything handled. Um so how, how do you express that to her in a way that still puts you in a position of sexy?
0: Well, and I think part of it is... I, I mean, for me, that doesn't that's not something that comes out right at the get-go. That's something that you work towards. So if you, know, you deal with dating a lot, so if you're in the early throes of a relationship where you just started dating someone, I'm not sure I would begin to put that out there up front. I, you know, you might say I feel things deeply and begin to talk about emotions in general, um, but I, I think it's creating a relationship in which everything that either one of you feels is accepted without judgment, and that's that takes a. It's a tall order. It takes some work, because I, I think that I, I remember I'd gone out for about three months with with this lady whose name is Jory, and I remember I was in a, a grouchy mood one night and. You know, I left at the end of the night, went back to my place and I texted her and I just said, hey, sweetheart, like, I'm sorry I was in a grouchy mood. It had nothing to do with you. I was just kind of stressed from work. And she picked up the phone and called me and said, hey, look, my job is to accept all of you. You know, the, the uncomfortable emotions as well as the more pleasant ones. How
2: much are you paying so her? I, I don't her judge job.
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> One, that's, I mean, yeah, that's my amazing. jaw hit the floor, right? I, I was like, what the fuck? Like, no one's ever told me that before.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and and you know that was one of the pieces where i was like holy crap i think i'm in love mm-hmm. yeah. because to to receive a message like that and and she's backed it up since to to have someone accept you for everything that you feel really gives you this safety in which you can talk about how you feel express how you feel and try to Mitigate it, or, or try to turn down the volume on it, so that you can have calm conversations about how you feel. Not, for instance, you know, rage and throw dishes or something like that. But right. um, you know, you you want to be able to have these conversations in a non-judgmental way, in a calm way, ideally. And and I think normally what we do is we get reactive and we get hurt, and then we just lash out and start you know throwing out insults or attacking. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I was talking. I did an interview on my podcast yesterday with Craig Perra, who's a specialist in sex and porn addiction. And it's amazing to me how much of this stuff keeps coming back to how we're socialized as men. I mean, we were talking about, he was actually telling his story about he was a sex and porn addict. And at one point in his relationship, he's been married to his high school sweetheart for 20 years. And he was saying that when I was at my worst acting out, I was projecting all the negativity in the relationship onto her. And I I stopped him. I said, Well, can you break that down and tell me more what that means? Because some people might not get the languaging. And he said, Yeah. He said, You know, so I'm, you know, acting out with prostitutes and streetwalkers and trans prostitutes. And then I would go home and my wife would get upset with me and I would get angry back at her. And everything that I was feeling would get dumped onto her. You know, if you would just stop being a bitch, then I wouldn't be acting out like this. If you wouldn't act like my mother, I wouldn't be doing this. If you weren't so prude, I would not need to go out there and find prostitutes. And that's the general dynamic with anger. When we're angry, we just externalize blame. So everything is somebody else's fault. So it makes it a really dangerous emotion at that level. Because when I'm angry, and everything is someone else's fault, I don't have to take any responsibility for what I've done. And I don't have to look at myself and say, gee, you know, maybe I need to work on that. Maybe I need to learn some new skills to find a different way of behaving. Interesting.
2: I, I think that's really interesting. Well, when we see guys, this is a kind of a random question, but we see guys um occasionally act out when say a girl is talking to them at a bar and then he asks for her number and she won't give it to him, and they get angry. So that has obviously everything to do with themselves, right? But what can a guy do to change that? That you know, is it all just a self-esteem building thing to get away from anger?
0: I think it's interpretation. Um, a lot of anger is about interpretation in that if they interpret right. that... Because it's rejection, right? And so if they're feeling that that rejection is personal, that interpretation is going to incite more anger. And so one of the ways you can do it is to... Train yourself or learn to take it less personally. And one of the ways I, I tell my clients to deal with it is, you know, look, think about all the things that you would not date a girl for. Think of all the super, superficial reasons that you would say, nah, she's not my type. You know, is it, is it weight? Is it hair? Is it how close her eyes are together? Is it tone of voice? Is it what she's wearing? Like all that stuff is super superficial, right? But that's also why we're initially attracted to someone. And so if you think about all the reasons that you would exclude someone from your dating pool and the superficial reasons that you do it based on, then women are doing that to you all the time too. And it doesn't have as much to do with you as it has to do with their personal tastes. And if you really break it down, it's amazing (laughs) that any of us are attracted to anybody. At that right. level, and so you know, to find someone that it, where you're attracted to them, she's attracted to you. It's a numbers game. It's a probability game, and you know sometimes it's not going to work out based on just kind of silly, stupid, superficial reasons, and that's okay. Right. You know, maybe they maybe they don't like redheads. Maybe they don't like guys that are five six. Maybe they don't like guys that are six two. Maybe they right. don't like guys that are jacked. Maybe they do.
2: I love your answer because. I'm I'm kind of known for not liking to work hard. And so your answer was basically like, no, you don't have to do all this soul searching and grow your self-esteem and confidence over years and years to not get angry. You just have to kind of look at it rationally and that doesn't really take that much work. That's pretty
0: easy. It's an easy fix. Right. Yeah. Change the interpretation.
1: Yeah, but that becomes challenging after a while if you're constantly oh, yeah. getting rejected. So there are sometimes a more... Work to be done.
0: Well, you know, I, I think also you look at the context. Like, if you're getting rejected a lot in bars or clubs, like kind of face to face, then maybe online dating is a better suit for you. Yeah. Better match. I, I agree. Because it might be easier to take the rejection in an instant message than it is face to face. Because there's an embarrassment factor for men in right. that face to face piece. Right. Well,
2: yeah, it's more of a subtle and like a subtleness when someone just stops responding online versus someone just says flat out no to your face. You still get rejected, it's just it's not that harsh. There's not like those harsh jagged ends necessarily.
0: And we were talking about, you know, anger being a secondary emotion and in that case of rejection, it's the embarrassment and the hurt that underlies the anger. And so if you can go to it at that level like ouch, you know, that hurt, that was kind of embarrassing and I'm okay like it's a numbers game. I, I have to approach, you know, a few more women before I'll, I'll get a yes.
1: Well, let's take a quick break. I want to come back uh, and talk with Dr. John Moore about the evolved caveman uh, and pursuing happiness. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back after this.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Hey, you, this is Marnie, and thanks for listening to the Ask Woman podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think of us. And also, give us five stars, just because. All right, we are back with Dr. John. Um, and I I, I want to, to talk a little bit about um, the evolved caveman, which is basically saying that now men are allowed to express themselves and be vulnerable and have emotions and express them. And I totally understand that in a relationship. If anything, women are craving for their men to have emotions within their relationship. But on the front end of a relationship is the dating space. And sometimes those attributes are not as attractive and not as welcomed. So I wanted to ask you... How can men be evolved in this beginning phase of attraction and dating without positioning themselves in a weak position?
0: Yeah, and I think it's a great question. I think that there is some nuance to this whole thing. And I think that when you're initially dating or looking for someone to date or playing that, that dating game up front, there is a little bit of, I guess what I would call gamesmanship. And... That you need to be a little bit more traditionally masculine up front and then slowly kind of expose more of yourself as the relationship evolves. Because I do think that when when we're dating, when we're we're looking for that initial match, I think there is a a primal part of women that are looking for that typical caveman or some of those traits. I mean, I think there's a a lustful part of women that are looking for. Aggression, they're looking for the square jaw, they're looking for pecs, they're looking for assertiveness, uh, they're looking for decisiveness and confidence. And all that's fine, all that's good stuff. And I think we need to be more than that as men. I think that that's just the jumping off point. So that, you know, once you begin to grow the relationship, then you begin to expand your conversational topics. You begin to reveal more of yourself. You begin to become radically transparent and radically honest. And it's, you know, I I think it's in small chunks to see how it's achieved.
1: Okay. Can you maybe give some actual examples of how that would play out just so that people can visualize this? Because I know that I've had the question throughout my career of what does it mean to be vulnerable? Uh, describe vulnerability without being a wimp or a pussy or whatever, whatever words they want to attach to it. So if if you could give some ex- hardcore, uh, not hardcore, but like some tangible example <laughs> of how that would go and how men would slowly be more vulnerable, maybe giving like an amount of time, that would be really helpful for the guys that are listening
0: yeah I think again, great question. I haven't thought about this too much in detail, but I guess what I would do is you know, you start off with the more traditional masculine emotions. those are are safe. you know, as I mentioned, any degree of anger, stress, lust, attraction I, I think those are all things that can be shared. and you know, I'm not talking about be angry with her, I'm talking about talking calmly about this irritates me or I'm stressed out today. And and then over time, over you know the next couple of weeks, if as that's well received, then you can go to other emotions that maybe are increasingly vulnerable. Minor degree of sadness, minor degree of fear. So, like
1: for example, sharing something that happened at work that day, right? Like, oh, you know, this this really irritated me, and it actually made me feel a little insecure for a second. Like, is that something, yes? Is, yeah, can that exactly. be an example of low level
0: vulnerability. Yeah, or or you know, when my boss told me that he was. I'm not satisfied with my, my presentation. Like I was really hurt. That hurt my feelings. And, and so I think you can go there. And you know, one of the, the questions I'll have clients ask themselves is, when you start to get angry, ask yourself, did something or someone just hurt my feelings? Is this really about being hurt as opposed to being angry? Because if, if you can have a conversation with your, the person you've just started dating, for example, where let's say an old boyfriend calls her, and that sparks jealousy and anger. It's a totally different conversation to go. If you go at that from anger and say, God damn it, you know, why did I can't believe you did that? Why'd you take his call? And if you go off in that anger direction, that's going, that conversation goes one way. Whereas if you can tap into the hurt and fear underneath the anger, you can go a totally different way with that conversation. Say, hey, you know what? Like it, it scared me that, you know, your boyfriend your ex-boyfriend was calling you like, I'm, I was kind of hurt by that. And it makes me a little bit insecure and jealous. I think that's honest. I think that's that's real. Um, I think it's it steers the conversation in a different way.
1: I, I agree with you. Is there maybe a checklist of questions that you can ask yourself? I'm asking this because I'm actually listening to this parenting book right now that's called The Whole Child. And it's no something disciplining or whatever it is. But yeah, they Nonsense Discipline. Just- yeah, they, they exactly. They give you this rundown of questions of like, but to, to think about what the child is experiencing when they're expressing anger or frustration or hitting you in some way. So it's funny that you're like outwardly breaking down for somebody else what might be going on and then asking how you can best serve that emotion. But it would be interesting to hear a checklist for yourself, that you can quickly run down when something's going on, before having like a, a guttural response where you're just pouncing on the other person in front of you.
0: Yeah, I don't really know if I have a checklist of questions, but I have a few questions I can throw out yeah. there. One of which I just mentioned is, you know, did something or someone just hurt my feelings? I think is always a good one. Am I, or were my feelings hurt, and can I speak to the hurt instead of just react with anger? The other one is, is this going to matter in five years? Because one of the things, any of our intense emotions, they want to make it seem like the sky is falling. They want, it, they want to make it seem like it's life or death, when in fact, most of the situations we're in are not life or death. So if you can ask yourself, is this going to matter in five years? Normally, the answer is no. No, it's right. not. And to, to remind yourself with that perspective can often help you calm yourself down and speak more calmly. The other one that I like is, is this a matter of life and death? Because if it is, by all means, act. If it's not, then take a deep breath, calm yourself down, and see if we can have a calm conversation from that perspective. Right.
2: So let me let me ask a question regarding the life or death thoughts because I have those a lot. I have um, a lot of anxiety and I've had depression and stuff for a really long time. And my thoughts um, definitely always go to life or death. So for example, in dating if I'm really into a guy and he isn't into me, it does feel like I rationalize it into life or death because I think he's... And I'm not being super literal, so I'm not like this insane, but I say I see this guy as my potential husband, the only guy (laughs) that I can ever see myself with and the only person I want to have children with. If he's not you know, interested, it does feel like life or death because you don't see your life going without that person. So what's the trick there to, to get your brain to believe it isn't life or death when it really, really feels that way. Like I want to have a life and children and it's going to happen with this person. And if it's not going to happen with this person, then it's not happening. Therefore death. Do you see how like that thought pattern?
0: May I ask you May I ask you a question you, in response to that? I like
2: a thousand to get into this weirdo brain I have.
0: <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. What's your belief about love? Is it that there's one person out there for you and you have to find that person? Or is it that there's thousands of people potentially out there for you that, you're a suitable match to? Uh,
2: I think there's very, very, very few to choose from for me personally based on like my personality and what I'm, you know, into and all that kind of thing, all that kind of stuff.
0: Okay, so my suggestion would be that to look at that as a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance mindset. And that in truth, I would argue that there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of men out there that would be a great match for you. You know, and there's pluses and minuses to all of them. But I, I think that, part of the solution is to practice the idea of non-attachment to the outcome so you know that idea of oh my god i need to find someone i need to find someone to have children that i need to find my perfect mate all that fuels anxiety whereas you know if you can think of it more of oh if this one doesn't work out there's a thousand more out there for me and it's just a matter of time till i find the right one and the more that i can kind of relax into the process and enjoy the process, the more I increase the odds of finding that right one. Um, I mean, I remember when I was dating after divorce, I I kind of had that same mindset initially, like, I got to find the right woman now, like, oh my god. And it was sort of fear driven. And I had to remind myself, like, dude, just calm down, relax, just stop looking for the one and start just enjoying going out and, you know, meeting new people and making new friends and exchanging some stories. And eventually the right one will make herself right. known.
2: But then the anxious brain will chime in and say, but if you're just going out and enjoying yourself and you're not doing much about it, then you're not actively trying to make your life better and you're being too passive. And then you're just going to let your life go by. <laughs> this is how my brain works. I always find a butt to everything.
0: Yeah, no, no I, I get it. I, I think part of the... The realization there is that you know our our minds are random thought generating machines. so a lot of what goes through our heads is complete and utter bullshit and and so one of the the skills becomes discerning which of your thoughts are serving you and which ones are the bullshit and I would say at this point in my career that at least... Fifty to sixty percent of the thoughts in my head are lies.
2: Mine are definitely ninety nine
0: percent. Well, and you know, I've heard some you know woke Indian yogi say that everything in our head is is a lie. I, I, I'm not sure I'd go that far. It depends but on how insane the point you are. And the point is, <laughs> yeah, well, but I mean, that's the point is also that we're all a little bit insane. Like, there's no normal out there. There's no sane. That our minds just mess with us. I mean like if they they've done studies where they'll stand people on a really tall cliff like at the side of the Grand Canyon where if you take a step forward or if you jump forward you're going to die because it's a mile down to solid rock and they'll have people monitor their thoughts and inevitably some like the mind will spit out this thought that says jump now why would a mind say that I mean it, it flies against everything we know about Darwinism and natural selection and survival of the fittest. So we have these sort of these gremlins in our heads that that lie to us. And so, you well, know, one of the key us skills becomes well, or test us, the, us in some way. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, part of it is I think practicing a skill like mindfulness or meditation. Simply to be to spend more time in the present moment and to become more aware of what the thoughts are going through our heads so that we can catch some of those ones and challenge them. I mean, for instance, I I mean, I remember I had a PhD from UC Berkeley. I had written a book and there was a point at which I was getting frustrated in front of my computer because it had slowed down to a crawl because of an iTunes update. And I was under a deadline to write an article and I'm sitting there doing a slow boil as I'm waiting 20, 30 minutes and my computer is just non-functional. And I remember the thought goes through my head of, you freaking dumbass. Why did you push that button? Why did you click OK?" And I have to, I mean, I literally had to slow it down to the point where like, okay, well, let's see. Am I a dumbass? Uh, I got a PhD. I, I wrote a book. Some people think I'm pretty smart. I mean, that's the level that we have to get to because the more we can catch those thoughts, because there's certain thoughts that go through our heads that are just repetitive and they're they're repeated lies. And so when you can begin to catch those habitual lies and start to challenge them, then you can go, oh, yeah, there's that thought again of I'm a dumbass. Well, I've seen that before. I know it's not true. I'm just going to let it go. As opposed to, oh, there's that thought of I'm a dumbass. Well, yeah, I did that. I made that mistake yesterday. And I did say that stupid thing you know, a couple hours ago. And man, why did I do that? That was really stupid. In other words, the thoughts are always going to be there. We can't stop the thoughts, but we can change how we react to the thoughts. And the more you can identify them and be aware of them, and after you've challenged them a few times, then you can just go, oh yeah, there's that thought again. I'm just going to let it go. And you don't get hooked by it emotionally. You don't look for evidence to support it and so it doesn't erode the emotional quality of your day.
1: Right, and that's actually really good to to have moving forward when you do interact with women, when you don't get a woman to respond to you or you don't get a woman's phone number or she flakes on you or whatever it is, it's taking a step back and talking yourself off of that ledge and then just continuing to move forward because I know that you know five rejections in a row can it, it would eat away at me. I I I I can completely understand where a lot of these frustrations come from for men and for women that we think that a pattern of five or a pattern of 10 defines who we are. When really Absolutely. taking the advice that you just said of stepping back, reevaluating, tweaking, and going forward in a new way can be beneficial. And if you can't do that new way on your own, that's when you you know seek out help and guidance from other resources, which is why we have this podcast. One thing that I do want to note that you've talked about consistently throughout this episode, and it's been geared towards men. And I, I even... I'm thinking it in my head, so I know that some guys are thinking it in their head. Why do we men have to do all of this stuff? Why do we have to cut off our emotions? Why do we <laughs> put our best foot forward in the first place? Just remember that there is a podcast that is equivalent to this that is advising women to do the same thing. So it, it, it's... it just Just so that guys know, women and us on this show are not expecting you to be perfection and perfect and for us to just sit back and be horrible hot messes. We are also trying to live up to the same behavior and and, and others are teaching us how to do that. I just wanted to add that little disclaimer in there because it popped up a few times for me when you were talking.
0: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I've gotten that from several men that get angry, (laughs) surprised, and say, well, how come come I have to evolve? Like, why do I have to, why is it all on me? And, you know, I think it's, I get the question. Um, It's not all on us men. It's, and, you know, going back to the idea of how we're socialized and kind of that man box culture, it's, it's no, it's no individual man's fault how we're socialized. It's not our fault. It's just our responsibility to find ways and tools to deal with it and improve the hand we were given. And, you know, so I I think that in response to that question, my, my answer is often, well, look, the women often have already evolved. They've been evolving for the last 50 years. We've wanted it to stay the same. And the job description for us in marriage changed and nobody bothered to tell us. Yeah, You know, it used to be back in the 1950s Super and listed. 60s to be a <laughs> good amazing. husband meant you were a financial provider, you weren't physically abusive, you weren't emotionally Super abusive, listed. and you weren't addicted <laughs> to drugs amazing. and alcohol.
2: All you have to do is not be a huge shithead and you'll be a good husband.
0: Yeah, not be a complete dick and make some money. Right, But that, it was a financial agreement primarily. And then, you know, women in the 70s got into the workplace. They got more financial freedom, more financial power. So they didn't, they don't need men as much for the financial piece. And then they got more in the political arena. And so, you know, that was another step in their evolution. And now most women in relationships are looking for someone that's a romantic partner for life, as well as, you know, a financial partner, but they're looking for someone that is sympathetic, that is empathetic, that can communicate, that can speak to how they feel. And no one told the men that the job definition changed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not that we're not saying the women need to evolve. The way that they're socialized has put them ahead of us in many of these important areas if you want to be in a happy, thriving relationship. So women are socialized to communicate. They're socialized to be in relationship. They're encouraged to be emotionally aware. So they're way ahead of us generally in those key areas. So we as men have to find ways to evolve and get out of our comfort zone and go to these places which are generally scary as hell for us so that we can have a better shot at being in... A healthy long term relationship.
1: Yeah. And actually,
0: because my goal for everyone is to be successful and happy. I don't like just success alone is not enough in my book.
1: A hundred percent. And even some of the tools that you've outlined in this, you know, 35 minutes that we've been talking with each other, um, I think a really important one in terms of relating to women at any stage of your relationship or dating or attraction, whatever it is, is to pause, breathe. And then ask yourself or ask the person across from you a question to clarify what's going on. And that can show a little bit of vulnerability and empathy all at the same time. It's not just allowing words to brush over you or allowing feelings to brush over you and storing them in a little box that you have to put away. It's looking at the woman and saying, Whoa, wait, wait. can you just clarify that for me? I want to understand what you meant when you said X, Y, and Z. Because that actually pinged me a little bit when you said... like so." you you can say that with extreme confidence to a woman, but it, it can it still allows you a tool to understand how to open up slowly in a way that you may have not been doing before in the past. So I think that was really helpful.
0: Yeah, thanks. I, I think just that idea of taking little steps, little risks, you know, exposing more and more of your inner world. To the person that you're dating is a good way to go.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I love updates and sharing. That's the best one of the biggest questions um, I actually that I was always concerned with when I first started, my business like 15 years ago um, and then that I get all the time now is why do women always want to talk about their exes? And I remember when I first started dating my husband and I would just share like crazy about my exes and he was tight-lipped about his exes. And then he wouldn't ask me questions about my ex. And I was like, what the fuck? Is this guy not into me? Like, why doesn't he want to know this information? (laughs) Because I always felt that giving information about my past was telling you about who I am in the present. Uh, and for me, it was an indicator that he didn't want to be close to me by sharing that information. And now I I have a better understanding of how my husband works. And he just, you know, he, he didn't like picturing me (laughs) with other guys. Um, so he was closed off and didn't want me to continue talking about his past. And then he didn't want to put that same emotion onto me by sharing about his relationships. And obviously now we communicate a lot better and we talk about those things. But in in the beginning, it was like a very confusing situation for me that my point... Well,
0: if you could say, you know, gee, it's making me jealous to hear about your exes. You know, can we kind of tone that down a little bit? Or yeah. can we pull back a little bit on that? I'm having a hard time yeah, with it's that. It's interesting
2: that Mar- Marnie would say that because I thought that I was like weird because I liked talking about my exes to guys that I'm dating and guys never, ever, ever want to get into it. And I agree with Marnie where it's it feels like a way for them to know you better and know how you got to where you are and why you are the way you are. Right, and guys don't see it like that. Um, And so in that circumstance, you know, like you want to respect people's boundaries and stuff, but isn't there a point at which the guy should maybe just like suck it up and hear it because she wants to tell him about it?
1: What John just said was a wonderful way. Like, to be honest, this is, you know... Creating a little bit of jealousy in me that I don't really like talking about this stuff, but just even listening to this podcast like and even saying that you have the understanding that, but I understand that you you want to tell me about how you are in relationships, so why don't you tell like you can you can get you can take it off of the X and put it onto like a more generalized relationship conversation, just having that knowledge that women have that urge to share that information um you can then work it out in a way that's more comfortable for you so that it doesn't have to necessarily be about their exes. Or there's a way for you to logically calm that down in your mind to say, she's trying to get closer to me by sharing this information. So there's like a whole bunch of tools, but it's it, it's really just having an understanding of where everybody's coming from. Yeah. But, well, so,
0: so understand also that part of this has to do with the negativity bias in the human mind in that the, the negativity bias says that we naturally overfocus on the negative, negative emotions, negative thoughts, negative self-definitions. I'm an asshole. I'm too fat, that kind of stuff. Negative things we think people think about us. And so when you're talking to a boyfriend or a husband about your past relationships, my guess is, in, in my experience, my mind goes to my girlfriend, my wife having sex with another guy. And so it it creates, it incites jealousy and a little bit of anger or maybe a lot of anger for some people and it it gets it floods us at times and it gets hard for us and so you know just be aware of that dynamic and you know I think that you know you could say hey this is making me jealous like I'm having a hard time with this so part of it is on him to speak up and share where he's at but the other way you could go is you know I'm interested to hear about your past relationships it's a little bit hard for me at times maybe we could just keep it to you know short conversations like 10 minutes and, and I can kind of let you know where I'm where I'm at. And if I'm getting too triggered, then we can just agree to stop and change the subject.
1: It's so weird because as a woman, I would still think like, why are you triggered? <laughs> like, what? Like, right. It, I, it, I'm not with them now. Like, why are you so worked up? By this? <laughs> like, I, I would need more of an explanation from a guy to say I, like, what?
0: Well, you know, I'm it's on. interesting. I mean, like, Me and my current girlfriend, like, we'll talk about our past, our respective pasts, and we know it's difficult for the other person to hear because we just don't like thinking about our partner with anyone else.
2: Yeah, I've always kind of made the joke that I didn't exist until they arrived. (laughs)
0: Uh Uh-huh, exactly. And I think the other thing to be aware of is there's a difference in our mind between our rational thinking, logical part of our mind and our emotional part of our mind and so, rationally, like, yeah, sure. Like, why are you triggered? Like, I'm not with him now. What's the big deal? Emotionally, it's a whole different ball game, and emotions don't always make logical no, sense.
2: Especially mine.
0: So sometimes this stuff comes up. It's like, uh, someone, you know, someone after my woman. <laughs> no, bad.
2: Right. right. Interesting. Yeah, I want to. But you know what's interesting? Just uh, just to comment on the idea of the caveman thing is. Men are programmed to want to be with lots of women, but yet when a woman talks about being with other men, he gets very, uh, you know, pouncy about it or very much like, no, you're mine. So how does that work psychologically when the guy's excuse to want to sleep with other women while you're married is that he's programmed that way, but yet also be very protective over you at the same time?
0: I don't know. I've heard that argument before. And it's funny, I've talked with thousands of guys and I've talked with a lot of them about, you know, their first sexual experience or, you know, one night stands. And I'm always amazed. I guess I'm not so much amazed at this point anymore, but it's amazing to me that 90, 95% of the guys that I've talked to, when we talk about one night stands, they're like, Yeah, you know, I've, I've done one night stands in the past, but i found that they're really not my thing because what I really Want is emotional connection.
2: And then you just say gay and it, you undo all your work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think because I'm the same way, right? And so, yeah, and I think that in high school, if you were to say that, you would get a comment like that. Um, and yet, I mean, I used to think I was the only male that felt things deeply. And, you know, since I've talked with thousands of men and they're all like, no, I, I feel things deeply too. And there's actually research that shows that men feel emotions more intensely than women most times. We're just desperately trying not to show that.
1: That's interesting because I just listened to a podcast that was saying the opposite, that we actually, that women actually feel things more intensely and we have a hard time, harder time letting go of it and men get over pain much faster.
2: I've heard that, yeah.
0: It might be more specific to pain and letting go. Um, but you know, the, the preliminary research, and this is pretty recent in the past five years, shows that on a physiological level, men feel emotions more intensely, like the, the heart rate goes up, the pulse rate quickens, there's a little bit more, uh, skin conductance or perspiration on the fingertips. Um, and it's just that we're trying desperately kind of not to let that, we're wearing a mask all the time, right? Because we're afraid are scared to death that if we let out how we really feel that someone's going to mock us. So I, I like, I mean, I just like to think of it that way that I, I'm not sure there's a real clear answer in terms of who feels more, but I think I to look at it as both men and women, you win. <laughs> um, but both, both men and women feel things deeply. We men are just socialized not to share it, not to express it. And we don't know how. I mean... You know, there's research that shows that the average man can name seven emotions, the average woman about 18. Right. And, you know, I, I'll do that with men. I'll be like, "So, oh, do me a favor, like, name as many positive emotions as you can. Go. Uh, orgasm. Happy. <laughs> That's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: is orgasm an emotion? It is
2: for me. <laughs> Wait, this is very... Like- yeah, there you go. Quite an emotion.
1: Um, all right, we have to wrap up our show, but Dr. John, thank you so much for all of this amazing Dr. John, information. I want to know before we hang up, uh,
2: how angry were uh, Marnie's more. email dings mm-hmm. making you? Because on my end, I want to reach through the computer and do a little strangulation <laughs> of Marnie. But you I contain... Know. I told you my
1: <laughs> was working and yeah, you but... didn't want to stop recording. Well, I could have made go no away. Well,
0: so Kristen, there's a difference between the emotion you feel and how you behave once you feel the emotion. Right. So I was fucking pissed, <laughs> but I, we are, I responded to it very well. Yeah, I think. you
2: did. You rolled with it. It <laughs> was like a waitress <laughs> dropping glasses like <laughs> on the floor during your comedy set, <laughs> you're and you're on, just every, you're a pro. Every time it came on, I paused.
1: <laughs> and trust me, it was me holding my breath. I could hear it from you. Resp- I know. I apologize.
2: And for the record, John, I texted Marnie while we were doing the show saying turn that I off, and she said I, did, I can't
1: because my I, I told you. I said at in the beginning. I know. It's not working. And then if I...
0: I, no, know, I figured that was out of my control. And so it wasn't on me. So I was yeah. good.
2: Right, right, right. right It's not your show. They, it's not yeah. your livelihood or anything. Right. No, <laughs> okay,
1: well, everybody listening, I'm very sorry. And I will uh, make an announcement in the promo so that people can choose not to listen if they don't want to. But I want a card in the mail for it. Fine, I'll send one to you. No, okay. All right. Um, thank you. I've never been a written card person, but I understand the benefits of it. Anyway, no, Dr. I'm... John, you are wonderful. Can you please tell people how to get more information from you? I know that I'm going to be on your podcast shortly.
0: Yes. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I can't wait. She's going to bring the dings with her.
1: Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tell people how to listen to the podcast and then where else they can find out more information about you. Because you said you have some really exciting um retreats coming up in Costa Rica and I think not Sonoma but you said somewhere else um, but yeah yeah so
0: the the podcast is The Evolved Caveman which is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podomatic, YouTube um all the normal places and let's see what else I've got a couple websites guide to self.com and theevolvedcaveman.com The Evolved Caveman is currently in the process of being upgraded and I'm working on, there's a couples retreat that's been planned for Costa Rica at Pura Vida Spa. And I believe that's April 11th, 18th in 2020. And then there is a men's retreat for men over the age of 50 called Living Your Legacy. And that is in Sedona, Arizona. And that is in March of 2020. And there will be information available about both those on the website.
1: Amazing. Maybe I should start doing retreats just to get away. <laughs> All those things.
0: Now, one plan, right, is you go go travel, teach a little bit, see the nicest areas oh no. in the world.
1: Sounds perfect. wonderful. I have all these friends who are like part of these marketing groups, and they go to Croatia. They go to like Bahamas. I, it's it sounds it sounds wonderful. I'm going to start doing it very soon. I used to do it before, and now I'm, I'm almost ready to start getting back into it. So, thank you for motivating me on that. Uh, but please go check out Dr. John. As you can see from the 50 minutes that we've been talking, he is a wealth of information um, when it comes to helping you understand how to be. A man in 2019 and, and realizing that it's time for you guys to evolve as well. And I know that you're trying to. You're listening to this podcast. You're trying to do better. But I, I think... Um, Sometimes we need a few more tools on how to tap into those emotions. So Dr. John is definitely the resource for it. And I hope you enjoy this podcast and my dings the entire time. Uh, but new episodes of the Asswoman Podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. These shows are also available on YouTube now. So go to youtube.com slash Marnie Kenris and you can listen slash watch them on there. If you want to send questions, into our show that we rarely ever get time to answer. But if you still want to send them in, send them into ask at askwomenpodcast.com. You guys are awesome as always. We'll see you next week.